You know, there are many mysteries in life. PA is one of them. It goes along with things like, uh, I mean, we are surrounded by mystery. One of them is shower gel. I think, I think shower gel is a tremendous mystery. And the various fragrances you can get. I was going to say flavors. Cannot drink or eat uh, shower gel. And it always amazes me why anyone would want to come out of a shower smelling of black pepper. <laughs> Even worse, why anyone would want to come out smelling of strawberries. <laughs> Mysteries surround us at every turn. And this morning, we have such an incredible example of the mystery of the grace of God among us. Consider the mystery of the church. You know, we receive all of these people into memory. That is a living example of the grace of God at work in and through us. We must never ever just take these things for granted. The grace of God is at work and joining people to us. And just consider the nations that were represented here this morning. We speak of God bringing the nations to us that we might send people to the nations. And it's tremendous when that ceases to be simply a slogan or something you see written down, but becomes a living reality among us as God adds to us from across the world. Surrounded by grace. We are a community living in and surrounded by grace. And some more grace. The title on the screen is not the title we're working to this morning. I think sounds. I think that was sounds last week. It's not mine. My working title this morning is "Gathered in Grace." Hey, gathered in grace. And when we look at this, we need. Is this working? Now then, we have a new form of tie mic this morning. It works? It works! I mean, honestly. Now, how many churches have you been to where you exercise such grace among us as you see this morning? You see, one of the things is, when you get used to a head mic, it really is such a thing where you've got to hold the thing. I think that works fine. I am open for photographs. I dare you to put a photograph. Come on, on e-news. Our new PA system. Go on, Jeremy. 
<laughs> you know, as we come together, this is, it's fantastic, the community that we have. The fact that we can receive people in grace. We've got the five people that we received uh, in baptism. A sign of God's grace among us. And what really struck me was that if we aren't faithful to Scripture, in baptizing people according to Scripture, we miss out on the grace of God. When we depart from Scripture, we miss out on the grace that God wants to feed us with, wants to pour out upon us day by day. And I come from a background where baptism by total immersion Is it worth oh. Now, we have my daughter here. Where's Elizabeth? Elizabeth? Now, Elizabeth, do you have this issue at Lee's Vineyard? Yeah. Does not sin abound, and grace abounds even more. Right, is this working now? Tom, is this working? So why is the headset not working? Do you mind? Just talk among yourselves for a moment while we just get to the bottom of this one. But, you know, it's tremendous. When we depart from Scripture, we rob ourselves of the grace of God. When we depart from Scripture in terms of baptism, we rob the people who should be baptized of that wonderful expression of the grace of God. Because every person... Being baptized is an object of God's grace. They have received God's grace, and in baptism they are experiencing God's grace. And we, as we witness it, we are experiencing God's grace at work among us. And give thanks to all that he's done, because you have testimonies of lives that are changed. And we must never, ever take these things for granted, but always be thankful to the grace of God at work in and through us. And, of course, as we depart from Scripture, we rob God of the glory. And that is the most important thing. We need to give God glory for what he is doing among us. We give God glory for his presence with us. We give God glory for every person added to us. We give God glory to every person being baptized. And every person who is a miracle of God's grace. Now, when we look at the New Testament, we find that the Apostle Paul had an incredibly deep understanding of the grace of God. Because he knew that so much. Because without the grace of God at work in his own life, he was just simply going to be a prisoner of legalism. And God came and he broke in. And he spoke a word of grace into Paul's life. And Paul was transformed from the inside out. On that road to Damascus, Paul met grace as Jesus spoke to him. And as we look at the ministry of Paul, he ministers out of grace to the churches. And he needed grace. He needed grace. And what I want us to do just for a short while is look at this, the history, if you like, and the, what was going on with the church at Corinth. Now, if you think of the church at Corinth, you have a church that needed to come to a deeper understanding 
of the grace of God. It was a community that had been formed by Paul. He had founded the church. He left Corinth, and then he starts to hear of what is going on in Corinth. And we all have heard of what people now call messy church. And messy church usually refers to some sort of kids' work that goes on outside of perhaps of the main life of the church, and it's a means of reaching into the community. Messy church. Well, the Corinthians beat everybody at messy church. And it had nothing to do with children coloring, pasting, generally making it. It had to do with the life of each individual and their corporate life as they came together in this messy church. And this is the church that Paul is writing to. He's got a full picture of what's going on at Corinth and he writes to them. And he writes to them in order to try to bring grace into their situation that they might have a deeper understanding of the grace that was theirs in Jesus. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul outlines some of the issues. I think these are just some of the issues in this original messy church. So 1 Corinthians 1.11, My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you say, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another. And I love this last one. The superior group. I follow Christ. Now, we would never be a community that might have quarrels, would we? We would not engage in such things. But we've learned the lesson of history. Hmm. Yes. <clears throat> then he goes on. Some of you have become arrogant. As if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I will, I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And so he goes on and on. And he outlines sexual immorality where there's a man sleeping with his father's wife. I think that's the right way around. It's a pastoral nightmare, is the church at Corinth. But how does Paul address this church? And I think as we look at the introduction to the life, uh, to the letter to the Corinthians, we see here something of the grace of God being outworked through Paul's writing because he wants to speak to them, not from the point of view of being a headmaster who wants to beat them every time they get something wrong. He's not holding up a huge list of laws and rules that they have to obey. What he's appealing to is they're standing in Jesus through the grace of God. And today we need to recognize that we gather here purely in the grace of God. And as Paul writes to the Corinthians and he establishes their position, their status in Jesus, we need to recognize that that is the status we enjoy as the people of God as we come together this morning. So he says this, <clears throat> to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's speaking into this messy church and he's saying to this messy church, you are called to be a holy people in Christ. 
He goes on. Now, this is, this is incredible. When you think Paul writes this letter with all of this knowledge in the background of what this messy church is like, and he says this, I always thank God for you. I always thank God for you. You are messed up. You're not living the lives to which you have been called. You have got it wrong in so many cases. Sometimes unintentionally, sometimes deliberately. And we can identify with this church in Corinth in so many ways. But Paul says, I thank my God for you. Why? Not because of the lives they were living, but because of the grace of God that had been given to them in Christ Jesus. I thank God because of his grace given to them. And we need to recognize that grace of God which is there for us and empowers us each and every day. Paul goes on in verse 5. For in him, in him, church at Corinth, in him, messy church, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony among Christ for you. Therefore, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. This is Paul writing to this church that many of us would have written off. Many of us would have looked at the life of that church and said, well, they have failed in so many places. They ought to be cast out. Paul is writing because he understands the depth of God's grace at work in and through this church, and the further grace available to the church to take them on into all that God wants for them. Paul does not deny or ignore the issues. He does speak strongly into them. But he begins from this point of grace. And you know, we need to begin from that point of grace as we deal with one another. Because it's our community life which is an example to the world outside. And if we are no better, if we are as graceless as the community in which we live, then we have no message to offer. But we need to operate in grace to one another at every level. First of all, establishing our position in Christ, not ignoring issues, but perhaps speaking into them, but from that position of grace, because the position of grace always seeks to win someone for Jesus. Always. I wonder how we would be transformed if we always approach one another from that position of grace, accepting that the person in front of you is an object of God's grace as you are. That that person in front of you needs God's grace as much as you do. We're quick to appropriate grace for ourselves, perhaps not necessarily so quick to allow others to join in with that. We need to be those who exhibit, manifest grace at every level, including social media. You know, the world reads what's put out there. and We need to be the people of grace who are demonstrating the grace of God in every way that we communicate with each other. But Paul says to them, you have been enriched in every way. It is through grace. Do you know it's through grace that we have been saved, it says in Ephesians. 
It's through grace that we have been saved. It's through grace that we continue in our salvation. And it's grace that will guarantee the end. I'm not relying upon my good works for the future glory of heaven. I'm relying on the grace of God that is revealed to me in Christ Jesus. Where does our future hope lie? Because if it's lying in your ability, if it's lying in your righteousness, that is not going to produce the result you want. It's not going to produce that entrance into glory when Jesus either comes or we go to him. The reality is, it's all of his grace. And for that, we need to be very, very thankful people. For we are simply asked to receive the grace that God makes available to us. Not to exclude ourselves. So it's through grace that we have been saved. It's through grace that we continue in him. And it is through grace that the gifts are given. You see, Paul writes a lot to the church at Corinth how to handle spiritual gifts. He doesn't tell them they don't deserve them. He tells them that the gifts are a gift of God given out of God's grace for them and then they need to use them in the correct way. And I just think there's so much for us to learn here as a charismatic church here in the 21st century for us to be able to learn and press in on the things that God has got for us in these coming days. And when Paul is writing to the Corinthians in chapter 14, verse 26, he is writing in order to bring order to the way they were using spiritual gifts. He's not writing in order to close down the use of spiritual gifts. He's bringing order into something that was rather chaotic. He says, what shall we say then, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. You know, this lies at the very heart of who we are because we've seen various gifts used today and week by week. But when Paul is writing this, and this verse has often been used in a very different way, I've often used and heard others use this verse in order to bring life into a dead situation. So what it becomes, it becomes an appeal that when you come together, each of you should bring something. That's not Paul's intention in writing this. Paul's not trying to bring life uh, into death. He's trying to bring order into chaos. And that is an entirely different place for a church to be. And it's a place that sometimes we find ourselves in when things happen that we had not planned, when things happen that we have not controlled, when things happen that we have no idea what to do next. You see, that's part of being messy church because God will move by His Spirit and it's up to us to, as to how we manage that, how we administer that. And the reality is sometimes we get it wrong. In fact, very often we get it wrong. And very often people are quick to point out how Ian has got it wrong. <laughs> but many churches have handled the messiness of spiritual gifts by closing down the ability for people to make contributions. You see, when you have no contributions, you don't have any problem at all in how to handle them. <laughs> I tell you, that's taken me 30 years to get to that point of revelation. <laughs> Incredible. 
You see, you don't have issue with disorder and chaos in a graveyard. You just cut the grass. Where you have disorder and chaos is possibly in a playground. Where kids are exercising, where they're learning how to use the gifts and the the voice that God has given them. You know, we are in a playground with Jesus and we make mistakes. And we need to have grace with one another in order to press through these mistakes in order to get to the place God wants us to get to. So as an eldership, we have no intention of closing down the ability of people to bring a contribution, an authentic contribution in any of our gatherings. Because we believe this is very much at the heart of who we are as a manual and we want to press into that. Oh, glory. But it's more difficult. Paul wouldn't have had to write half of this letter if they'd got it right in the first place. <laughs> but they didn't because they are like us and we are like them. We are learning together. There are some churches that will say, yes, it's okay to bring contributions. It's great. We want to press in for the prophetic gift. We want to press in for the word of knowledge. We want to press in for tongues and interpretation. But please, just keep them in your small groups. Don't let them intrude on a Sunday morning and create messy church in the bigger context. Brothers and sisters, that is not where we stand as a church. We stand four square against that. Every gift is available every occasion as we come together. But that does not mean the 150 of you here today all have an opportunity to speak. We would be here even longer than we were last week when Michael, bless you, Michael. It was a great time though, wasn't it? Great time. But brothers and sisters, For us, being a charismatic church is not something you see on a strap line on a bit of paper. It's not something you might see on the screen. It's something that we want to be a living reality among us as we receive the gifts God has got for us. Church at Corinth... Charismatic, but not perfect. Do we qualify? <laughs> well, we qualify in both parts. <laughs> you know, we, we qualify. And I believe that as we come before God with sincere hearts, grace is sufficient to take us on to where in our hearts we want to be. They were ordinary men and women with faults and failings, just as we are. But God used them. And so we must not exclude ourselves from how God might want to use us. If you're here this morning and you think you, and you think you are good enough for God to use, you've got a problem. Because even in that, you've excluded yourself. Pride. If we come before God and say, God, I am in need of your grace, then God's grace is sufficient. And that's where the position we we come from. And so no matter what your history is this morning, no matter whether you've been a Christian for days, weeks, or decades, as some of us have been, 
Do not exclude yourself being used by God as he got a gift to give you for the use of the body, for the benefit of the body. Everything done in order for the benefit of the body. God wants to use you for the upbuilding of the church. No matter what your background, no matter what you've done in your past, no matter what you did yesterday, as you come to God and say, God, I got it wrong. I want to receive your grace. I want to receive all you got for me. God takes us at his, at our word and we press on into the next step that God has got for us. And you know, the most wonderful thing in a city like Durham, educational qualifications don't mean a thing. Hey, all you students. You know, some of the most powerful prophecies ever heard in this building have been given by someone who cannot, can barely read. Can barely read. No, I'm not advocating you just give up. Please, that is not what I'm saying. But don't disqualify yourself because you can barely read. Don't disqualify yourself because academically, You're a disaster. Don't disqualify yourself because you don't come from the right background. Don't disqualify yourself because you feel you don't fit. Do you know God uses misfits? Just look at the person next to you. God uses misfits. You can be a misfit for Jesus. That's great, isn't it? You see, some some years ago, many years ago, friend and, uh, and I, we did some door-to-door survey work. And uh, it was an interesting experience. But I came to this conclusion that many, many non-Christians believe they are too good for God. It's almost they have this self-righteousness which I do not need God. And yet, when you look at the church, you very often have exactly the opposite. That the Christian says, I'm not good enough for God to use. And you know, both of those things are a lie of the devil. He is the father of lies. And he will whisper into your spirit anything he needs to whisper into your spirit to neutralize you in your spiritual walk with Jesus. So he neutralizes the non-Christian by telling them they're good enough. They do not need Jesus. But he neutralizes the Christian by saying, you're not good enough. Or even like the, the lie that was spoken in the Garden of Eden. Are you sure God thinks you're good enough? Are you sure God said this, and he undermines us by whispering these lies into our spirits. Folks, we need to stand together. Grace filled. Grace dispensing towards one another. And you know that will be a message to the world in which we live and bring glory to Jesus. Grace is a mystery. We'll we'll never fathom it. We will never fathom it. I believe it's almost as if we walk in the shallow waters of grace. 
but what a place to walk. And as we grow, the waters will get deeper, but you know, we will never, ever outgrow grace. We will never, ever receive more than there is for God to give. There is always more to give. And I believe that as we press on into all that God has got for us, each one of us, not feeling disqualified, but qualified because of Jesus, then we will see greater things happen. Not for us, for him. Let's stand together. And if we could have the band back, please. Let's stand. Just wherever you are, just do whatever is helpful for you to home in on Jesus. Close your eyes, open your eyes, whatever. But I just want you to, just wherever you are, thank him for his grace that you have experienced so far. If you are a Christian, you have experienced the grace of God. But there is more, much more. To receive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I'd just like you to speak to yourself. Very often the Psalms tell us to speak to ourselves. And I want you to declare the truth to yourself that in Christ. You have been made good enough to receive all the Father has for you. In Christ is the key. And this morning, if you are not in Christ, then just make that decision to give your life to him. Come and speak to us afterwards. Just make that decision not to disqualify yourself for whatever reason, but to say, Jesus I receive your grace. I stand in your grace. I am clothed with your righteousness. Let peace descend upon your spirit.